Welcome to the Mother Nurture Podcast, hosted by Dr. Andrea Rosario, functional neurologist and doctor of chiropractic, specializing in functional medicine, caring for individuals and families with chronic conditions for over 15 years. Thank you for joining us for the Mother Nurture Podcast. This week, Dr. Rosario shares a special Instagram Live hosted by her friend, Diane Milano, a functional nutritional therapist and certified spiritual coach. Together, they discuss the topic of being stuck in fight or flight. And Dr. Rosario shares her thoughts and strategies for escaping this cycle through her unique seasonal lifestyle approach. We hope you enjoy it. Hey, good morning. Well, good morning, good afternoon, good morning here, good afternoon over there. So how are you today? Oh, I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing, thank you, you know. So we had a great Instagram takeover. That was fun, brilliant idea. No, it was it was wonderful having you, especially because you brought, you know, you talked about fight or flight in a way that I typically only talk about that way in my in my practice so it was really great having that and also your additional expertise well thanks yeah it's something that I feel like I want to get out in the world all the time because there are so many people that are stuck in fight or flight and they don't even realize it and they just have all these random symptoms and nobody's helping them because they're like well I don't know get more sleep or you know they're just not giving them good answers and it's all connected into this neurological wiring and it just needs to be talked about more often. Yeah. So thank you for giving me the opportunity to, to share with your people. Of course. So, you know, why don't we start with this? Because we have a few questions to answer. But in case people missed the takeover that we did in your post, what is fight or flight? Well, it is basically biochemically, like in your whole body, your your hormones change. You get adrenaline all the time. It's kind of like you're always in a state of survival and it's sort of like, I don't know, my kids, they love to get a big kick out of surprising me, scaring me, jumping out of the corner. Cause I scream like a banshee <laughs> because you know, a, a little extra fight or flight going on there, you know, or like when you're like ducking because of butterflies, you know, and, and you think it's like a plane crashing on you. It's just, a way of your brain wiring, it knocks out your ability to digest well, it knocks out your ability to get good, restful, healing sleep. You're prone to like anxiety and you're prone to, well, jumpiness, like I just said. It messes with your memory, it messes with your hormone signaling, it just does all kinds of gnarly stuff to your brain and your body. It's a not a pleasant way to live. So that's kind of long story short of it. Right. You know, with that said, I think it's safe to say that many of us. Hands up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it is so for several reasons. I mean, a, a lot of people get wired that way through childhood, you know, um, just not having maybe enough safety, security, routine, that type of thing where when their brain was developing, the development kind of wired you to being stuck in fight or flight. And then many of us in our 20s went and tried to like, make our way in the world and do a job and college and not enough sleep and probably didn't take good care of ourselves really because we were in our 20s and like you could stay up all night and <laughs> do all kinds of dumb things that um, you wouldn't feel the repercussion for as much as you would in your 30s or 40s. But, um, you know, the decade of your 20s is a really common spot for people to get their 
their brain and body wired in fight or flight. And it's a self-perpetuating cycle. Unless you know how to escape it, it kind of becomes like a well-traveled trail in your mm-hmm. brain chemistry that it's like, it's really hard to get off it, right? Like your, your body just wants to stay on that trail that it's, you know, hardwired for. So um, those are really common areas, childhood and in your 20s to get in there. Plus women in general. Number one, we wear a lot of hats and do a lot of things. Number two, just society. We have to be more careful for our own safety purpose than men need to. So, you know, we walk with our keys between our fingers, you know, and cross the street to get away from whatever we perceive as a danger. I mean, there's a lot of things that that make it so that women in particular tend to be in fight or flight. Yes. Pretty regularly. In my practice, I have mostly women who come to see me and like almost all of them, Diane almost all of them are stuck in fight or flight. So it's rampant. Yeah, no, and I really completely agree with you. You know, it's in my practice, there isn't a single week where it's not, I think sometimes we're, we're stuck in fight or flight because it's, it's almost that behavior that, that at least, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to put myself personally here. It's, it's my default. Yes. It's for me, it's that I just, and I almost, and then I get stuck in it. And then for some people in my practice it's this they're going through something it could be very monumental you know this huge moment catastrophe whatever it could be or also I think fight or flight doesn't necessarily have to be something huge you know and I think that's where there's this this disconnect where people think you know uh, well I haven't really gone through trauma or I haven't really got experience why do I feel adrenal fatigue and that's a lot of the you know a couple of the questions that we're going to answer were adrenal fatigue and cortisol based and so it's it's really this understanding that it doesn't it's not necessarily this huge catastrophic event that places you and kind of keeps you right right yeah because when you do have a huge catastrophic event a lot of people get PTSD mm-hmm. because the cortisol surge basically shuts down your hippocampus and and that part of your brain if it's a big stressor like an acute stressor then that can basically create a thing like PTSD but all the chronic low level day to day sometimes stressors they it, sh- it shuts down your hippocampus in the exact same way so you may not have full un- unintegrated like PTSD unintegrated memories and traumas and things like that but it absolutely completely does the same thing in your brain yeah so okay with that I think I want to start off by saying that if anyone's watching live and you have a question that you weren't able to submit or you kind of missed that feel free and ask um but why don't we jump right in because we have a couple of questions that we that we want to answer but then I also want to talk about an amazing thing that you have going on that I'm a part of and you can sign up in December but then also the way that you function as a practitioner with rhythms and seasons and then our humor because I think that's that's something that well it's important to talk about so let's get started with the questions shall we hit me all right let's do this so first person is hi I'm a busy working mom and with a toddler I constantly feel like my adrenals are high I don't even know if that's properly said but I feel like I tick all of the boxes in the graphics of your takeover what can I do okay so a busy working mom busy working and being a mom those are just really typical places where you put yourself last 
on the list. And what I would say is if you're taking off all of those boxes, you probably are stuck in fight or flight mode. And I would use as much as you can use rhythms in your day, like a nice nighttime rhythm that includes some parasympathetic, which is a rest and digest mode, some parasympathetic actions. So for a nighttime routine, you can do one to two cadence breathing. So like four, four seconds in, eight seconds out, that will stimulate the parasympathetic system right before you go to bed because that parasympathetic rest and digest system helps you digest and helps you sleep well. I would really build in at least into two spots of your day, the morning time and the evening time, nice little routines that would include things that would stimulate your parasympathetic system and calm your fight or flight. So in the morning time, that might be splashing your face with cold water, or that might be finishing your shower. It's just miserable to talk about in the winter, but finishing your shower with 30 seconds of cold at the end. Those type of things can sort of set you set you up so you're starting to trigger the opposite of fight or flight, the rest and digest system to try to like overcome that pull into fight or flight, basically. Does that make sense? It totally does. You know, because one of the things that I get a lot in, people have this understanding that it, it has to be hard to get yourself out of, it, you know, yeah. and while yes, I mean, you and I have both experienced this as practitioners where, yeah, there, there's, it's a lot of work sometimes, but there are manageable things that you can do throughout the day, you know? So I know for myself, like I gargle a lot, right? So like when I'm brushing my teeth or like when I'm in the shower, I gargle, I do that. The finishing the shower with cold, which is actually a good question that we were just sent. Lori says, how does a shot of cold trigger the rest and digest cycle? Basically, what we do know is that they can measure with heart rate variability and other tools what can calm that fight or flight cycle down. Basically, they have found that cold, so cold water on your face or cold shower, it brings your nervous system out of it. So yes. why exactly? I actually do not know why. <laughs> but but that is one of the several things, and gargling is another, that they have found that can pull you out of fight or flight mode. Now, I know how the gargling works. Anything having to do with throat muscles, yeah. basically your vagus nerve is the key. It comes out of your uh, brainstem and it goes and it innervates most of your digestive system. And that vagus nerve is the key to your parasympathetic nervous system activation, right? And that's the yeah. opposite of fight or flight. Right next to it in the brainstem is the nerve that innervates all of your throat muscles. And so when you do things like gargling or gagging or singing really loud or humming really loud, those are all activating your throat muscles and that brings blood and activation to the whole area. So you, you can't necessarily exercise your vagus nerve, but you can, you can work the, the nerve right next to it and then bring activation to that area that will then strengthen it. And that will help you to stay out of fight or flight. That makes sense. It does. Now, okay, this is where it gets really cool. And this is why I love, I love working with like-minded practitioners. So I can answer the question on how cold water. Ooh. Okay. So when we're in fight or flight, it's this automatic reaction right, that, we're, that we're stuck in. And it's something that, we, that we've been talking about. So what cold water does is it actually kickstarts it. For a brief second, I, I liken it to my dog seeing a squirrel where she's like concentrated on the bike path walking and then she sees a squirrel and she's like, squirrel, it's noradrenaline. And so it's that noradrenaline that 
it's this brief little search that will then cause blood pressure to normalize and it creates this almost balance. And so while it's still yet to be heavily, heavily researched, one of the reasons why I tend to know this is because noradrenaline, there's a lot of research when it comes to a certain microbe. And so, and I've been digging into said microbe. And so that's why when uh, a person is immersed or submerged in cold water, it's said to improve your health it's because of that noradrenaline. Very cool. <laughs> Y'all are getting a little sneak peek into what it's like for me and Diane to be. <laughs> exactly it i learn from you you learn from me we interrupt each other it's how it works yeah so all right the other question that i have their question was hi i have been told that i have high cortisol but i feel as if though i also fit in the category of low cortisol is it possible to have both yes well it's possible to have dysregulated cortisol right i mean it's supposed to be higher at certain times like when you're waking up in the morning and it's supposed to be lower at other times when you're going to bed at night because it's your wake hormone, but it's also your stress hormone. But part of being stuck in fight or flight is the stress. The cortisol kicks in, right? The cortisol shuts down your hippocampus. That affects your brain signaling to all of your hormone secreting glands, including the adrenals themselves. And if you're in fight or flight, then your whole hormone signaling system is off and it'll be dysregulated cortisol, like high at the wrong times, low at the wrong time, that type of thing. So now I think this, this is going to tie into the, the next question, which is if I am in fight or flight, does that mean that I also have adrenal fatigue? It doesn't mean that directly. No. So you can get into adrenal fatigue if you're stuck in fight or flight, but they're kind of two separate things. I mean, if your adrenals are kicking out cortisol and adrenaline and all this all the time, they're going to get fatigued and tired. But everyone who's in fight or flight does not have adrenal fatigue. Okay, so for people who are watching, can you differentiate between the two? And maybe between the three, because the next question, somebody is asking if fight or flight chronic fatigue go hand in hand. So could you differentiate maybe between the three, please? Yeah. So fight or flight is like a neurological wiring. Okay. And it has, it has effects throughout your whole system with your own, with your biochemistry. So your brain signals to all of your organs and muscles. So it's a wiring that will affect the rest of your body versus adrenal fatigue and adrenal exhaustion are when your adrenal has been kicking out too high cortisol Sometimes it could be genetic also as well. So I don't want to like, you know, fully lump it in. But when you're kicking out cortisol and adrenaline all the time, then it gets fatigued and and then it can go into exhaustion, which is really bad news. Like that's hard to pull yourself out of adrenal exhaustion. And so that's when like normally your, your adrenals would be kicking out all of these adrenaline and cortisol, which we need. I mean, we need them. <laughs> but if it gets fatigued, then it just like stops. It, everything goes low. So you can get into adrenal fatigue and exhaustion by being stuck in fight or flight, but it doesn't always go that direction. It doesn't always go there. Right. And so so this is great because the final question we received was, if I'm noticing that I am in fight or flight, do I need to worry for my health? And I think the before you go to answer, um, I, I think it's important to not uh, necessarily bring the fear of the heavens imploding over us. Um, but how would you answer that question? Well, yes, you don't want to live in fight or flight 
if nothing else, it's going, the cortisol brings your blood sugar up, right? One of cortisol's jobs is it's a weight hormone, it's a stress hormone, so it puts belly fat on you, but it also helps to pull up your blood sugar. And so that's why a lot of people, I'm, I'm going down a little rabbit hole here, do this all the time, sorry. But that's why people wake up in the middle of the night, oftentimes like 2 to 4 a.m. because their blood sugar is crashing. It didn't hold steady the whole night. And so then their cortisol comes in to pull up the blood sugar, and then that's your weight hormone, so then you wake up. I have people who are diabetic that come to me for, for care. And if their life is stressful, if they won't make lifestyle changes that they need to make, I can't get them to reverse their diabetes. Like there's no way because that cortisol is kicking their blood sugar up all the time. So in that way, yes, detrimental to your health. Also, it increases your pain sensation. Like you're going to feel more pain. So fibromyalgia people, yeah, high, high sympathetic fight or flight dominance. So that's clearly a quality of life issue. And if your brain is missignaling to all your hormone secreting glands, that sucks. <laughs> you're going to have thyroid issues. You're going to have adrenal, so wake, sleep, energy issues. You're going to have sex hormone issues. You're going to have blood sugar issues because your pancreas, you know. So yeah, it's important to focus on getting yourself out of that wiring as best as you can. And like you said, you think of it as this huge monumental thing, but if you can work in simple routines into your life, you can really start to retrain and rewire your brain to pull yourself out at appropriate times. And, you know, right before bed or right before a meal, when you're needing to rest or you're needing to digest, you know, little things that you can do start to retrain your brain to be out of that mode at the appropriate time. You know, it doesn't have to be this big, huge, like another thing on my to-do list, you know, it's just little routines that you can do. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's, it's so important to note that you and I both are, are very easy to, to jump into the rabbit hole of the vortex of, of everything. But it's sometimes it is these basics, yeah. you know, because there is no magic pill. There is no magic shake. It more than likely took a while to get to the point in which we are, where we, wherever we are. And so there isn't a magic quick fix, but you also can't go into the plethora of functional medicine testing, which is wonderful when you haven't established these basics. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah. I mean, little tiny lifestyle things can make the biggest, most profound difference. I mean, just you can dive into spending all the money, like you said, on a bunch of adrenal tests and gut tests. And those all are good and they have their place. But you can you can knock a bunch of stuff out with little tweaks. You know, so is I'm looking back at the things that you mentioned, you know, in the in the takeover, and I'm going to highly suggest for everyone to go back to those posts that um, Andrea did, because they are, it's something where in today's post, it was how to stimulate the vagus nerve and how to activate both sides of your brain. And so it seems as if though, when you're going to say it, okay, well, I need to activate both sides of my brain. It's like you need a PhD in how to do that. But it's actually quite manageable. It's really important, I will say, that if you have access to working with a practitioner that can support you, because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And that's one of the things that Andrea and I are, are in the fight for. It's to, to dredge through the misinformation. But it's it's absolutely doable. And it's something where you can feel confident enough in knowing, okay, I can do this one thing. 
I'm going to get a little personal here. So for example, I have very, very long work days and Andrea knows this really well. She's always kicking my butt. There's something to be said, whether I get home from work at 10 o'clock or midnight, I have a very specific five minute, maybe 10 minutes sleep routine that I have to do for myself. Because if I don't, and if I just go ahead and just close my eyes and go to sleep, I'll either not get good quality of sleep or I'll, you know, the next day I have digestive issues that are through the roof. It's actually something that even, you know, myself as a practitioner, I go back to the basics. And then one of those basics for you are your rhythms and season. Yes. So talk to me a little bit on what rhythms and then seasons, because I do want to bring up the seasons component since you have something exciting coming in December. Yes. So the best way that I have found out of fight or flight mode with all of my patients, self, it works like magic, rhythms and routine and presence building in, you know, when anybody who's had a child, babysat a child, whatever, if you have rhythms to your day, like the sleep, eat, play rhythms, the child is like happy, content, all is well. You go, you travel, Things get all wacky. The routines go crazy. The child is out of control with temper tantrums. And that is because the routines and rhythms, they set up a sense of security for your brain. Your brain is wired to need that security that rhythms and routines give you. And as adults, we don't throw big temper tantrums. At least most of us don't. But it's the same thing. We need the rhythms and routines for our body to feel safe and secure. And that is so important to taking you out of fight or flight. And then the presence, I love using seasonal rhythms to bring presence because when you're really busy and you're in fight or flight mode, it's really hard to be like, I'm here right now. You know, you're thinking about the past, you're something you said, a conversation you had, you're replaying, I should have said this different, or you're anxious about the future because that's the state of being in fight or flight. Like it's really hard to be present. So I love using the seasons to bring you present because I have been practicing this for like 10 years and this has been in my heart to share this um, for so long. And I finally do now share this with, with other people, but we live in like a perpetual summer. Fight or flight mode, you can think of it as summertime because it's go, 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 go. It's like long days. It's high stress and summer is supposed to be fun, but summer is like long days, lack of rhythm. It's just kind of chaotic and lots of outdoor experiences with family and friends. And like, you're just going all the time. We live in this perpetual summer where we in life in our society, where we don't take our vacations and don't slow down. And like extroversion is like the ideal, but introversion is kind of looked down upon, you know, there's a whole societal thing that happens. And so I love using autumn and winter and all that, like, okay, what can we release? Like the leaves come off the tree. The tree does not hold on to every leaf in anticipation of needing it. It lets go of it so that it can take care of its core survival during the winter, right? And kind of go into hibernation and dormancy and that type of thing. Nature does this. We, for some reason, think we're not nature, (laughs) but we're nature. So we need to peel back and like release things that aren't serving us anymore. We need to take some downtime. I use the seasons and what's going on out in the exterior world to trigger to me when it's time for me to settle in, grab a book, you Mm -hmm. know, 
don't make a lot of a lot of obligations in the winter time. You know, in the fall, I basically assess my friendships, I assess my business, I assess my habits, and it's like, okay, what isn't serving me well? And then I adjust it, and then that way you're not juggling all these balls. So when the winter comes, you can actually settle in and take a good deep rest because if you do that in the spring, you're gonna have vibrancy and and life that you forgot was even possible for yourself. It only comes after you rest, you know, and because we're all just burning the candle at both ends, we're just living in this perpetual summer and there's no rejuvenation and there's no trigger to remind you that'll end and give your body and your mind and your soul a little bit of a breather, you know? Yeah. So the the reason why I really wanted Andrew to talk about this is because it's a way of looking at our health and functional medicine that's not talked about a lot. And also, I am a perpetual summer person. You know, I am constantly <laughs> in the go. I, I, ha- I have to be honest. And so Andrea recently, there, she, she had kind of like the, this thing going on, which we'll talk about. And um, she was talking about preparing for fall and how you'll explain this better, but you have a journal of things that you're, you want instead of a to do, it's a let go journal or something like that. And I thought that was so phenomenal. But in my mind, I was like, well, that's amazing for you, you know, <laughs> um, because what then what can I let go? And so it's something where I've had to internalize your teachings and what you're, you're sharing with the world in the sense that my life at the current state in which I am, it's not really going to slow down much, at least for the next year is what I kind of calculated. But there are micro things that I can do, right? And so for me, it's I've had to say no to a lot of, you know, dinners. I'm not going to say a lot. I'm not that popular, but you know what I mean? To dinners and things like that, where I just have to prioritize on the one or two things. One big one is work. And then the the second one, it might not sound like it's prioritizing me because I'm working so much, but I am. Because then my extroverted self is saying no to doing other things. You know, I I have to say no. I might not be able to completely stop but I can do these little, these little tweaks, you know, where for me, it's at least for my fall, what I took from your, you, your let go at journal, where you write down the things that you want to let go. I did, I wrote down knowing quite well that some of those things I can't, but I wrote them down that I will just give me a full year and I will, I will let this one go. But then I wrote other things down where it was like, you know what, if I take a fine tooth comb through my life, what can I stop? It's been that delegating and it's been that outsourcing and it, because it is hard and I don't want us to come from a place of privilege, almost unawareness and an attach from other people's lives where they might find themselves in a perpetual summer. We have a lot of customers for, from our, uh, our bakery where they, you know, they have children that are very, very ill, where they care for a very ill parent that there really isn't a seasonality aspect. And so, but yet you can bring this, you're, you can create a little micro fall. You can make yourself a little cozy cinnamon tea once a week. And you gave yourself that like little five minute reprieve and you brought fall into your life for five minutes and then you bring winter into your life. At least that's how I do it for me. 
Well, that's important because it is true that not everyone has the opportunity to escape some of the things that they know are keeping them in a perpetual summer, yourself included right now with all the work that you're doing. And so I always like, okay, it's easy to say, I can't eliminate anything. And sometimes it's things we don't want to eliminate and there's grief involved in that too. But if you sit and you go, okay, my life's crazy. None of this looks like it can go away, really. You can still get triggered by the autumn to sit there and say, is there anything I can automate? Is there anything I can delegate? Is there anything I can release? And you can just kind of, like you said, a fine tooth comb. Like, what am I doing all the time that drives me nuts? Like, is there something that I can do to fix that? Just that. Even if it's one thing. Some autumns, I'm like, I'm choosing one thing. I'm overwhelmed or I've got a lot going on, but I still do something. Like some actionable step that kind of sits with the season. And then some of them, I'm like, ooh, I'm releasing. I'm going to declutter my entire house. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, fire under my butt and I'm just like really flying through it. And and it, ma- it matters what chapter or season you're in within your life, it, how much of that you can do. But just the awareness of it brings you present and that presence helps you out of fight or flight mode. And there's the season that you can get triggered by looking out at nature, but there's also like the seasons of your soul. Like if you've been, I don't care if it's spring, if you've been burnt out, if it's spring outside, that's fantastic. Do some health things that go along with spring. Do some things for yourself that go along with spring. But maybe you just need to be in autumn. You're in autumn of the soul and you need to start releasing stuff. And you don't want to wait till actual autumn because you're going to be sick by then. So assessing where you're at, like, oh, I'm really burned out. I need to release some things. It could be May. I don't care. You're, <laughs> you've got to do what you need to do and go through because healing always begins with autumn. Healing always begins with releasing what doesn't serve you so that you have the capacity to take care of the things that you value most in the winter and in your rest period. It makes total sense. You know, it was, I was joking with my husband the other day because I feel as if though for me, sometimes I do my winter, fall, spring and summer all in one day, <laughs> you know, for me. And one of the things that I talk a lot with, uh, with my clients in my practice is when we're stuck in fight or flight or when, when there is something for the long term that's going on, there's almost an aspect of grieving. Whereas we don't really want to be stuck this way. You know, I had a, I had a client last week tell me, I don't know how I'm going to do the next eight weeks of my life. And the thought of that, I have to be in this constant stress for the next eight weeks, but there's nothing she could do about it. There's nothing we can do. We almost have to take it all the way back and say, okay, then let's reframe this crappy situation that's happening. And we almost have to let go of what that expectation that we wanted. You know, for so many people, they're going into, we're going into the holidays and there's an expectation. And so what I had suggested for her was, you know, you might need a good cry and kind of grieve the fact that for the next three, eight weeks, it's going to be really darn hard. And that's your let go, that let go of that expectation of what you wanted things to look like or to be like. And then you almost settle in, you ground into the fact that, all right, I let it go. And then I'm just going to do. And then you can open up the door to be able to have that. You know what I found? I can sit in my car when I get home. And for her, it was like, I let my kid go into the house and I'm just going to sit here. And I'm going to listen to a song and sing in my car out loud. 
And so it's, it's these little things that add up to big things with the seasonality aspect. And the reason why I'm doing this is because Andrea has something really cool coming up in December. I'm already a part of it. So she, you're going to explain it because I'll butcher the bananas out of it. I am currently already enrolled in what she has going on and it has been monumental. I am not in a position where I can add any more to my plate, but I knew, okay, this is different. I need to buy into this because I, I know where, where you're coming from and it's been impactful. Can you talk a little bit about, about what that is coming up in December? Yeah. So I have a group of women. It is women. Um, and I don't mean to exclude the men by any means, but um, it's specifically because women have different mechanisms within their body and stress responses. And so this is particularly um, helpful for them. And it is basically a group where I lead you through kind of finding the rhythms, finding your daily rhythms and routines, finding your seasonal rhythms and routines, helping with certain organs and certain bodily functions are more amendable during certain times of the year. And so you really wouldn't want to, let's just say, I'm going to use this as a random example. You really wouldn't want to start necessarily meditating in the summer because it makes more sense to meditate in the winter when you're more internalized, right? You're just, everything's a little quieter everything's a little calmer. So we look at habits and certain body functions and organs and systems during certain times of the year so that you can put very little effort and get maximum results. And it's basically just a seasonal lifestyle, folding in simple ways, mm -hmm. help yourself get out of fight or flight mode and experience presence and beauty. And it's such a lovely way to live. I used it to get myself, oh, I'm going to say this real quick. I was so insanely burned out about 11, 12 years ago that I did a huge autumn release and I closed down my original practice because it was making me ill. And mm -hmm. I said, you can grieve. <laughs> that was my baby. Like you can grieve when you release things and it's not always easy, but I had to do that because I was so insanely sick during that time of constant stress. That is when I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I was, I was homeschooling my kids and I was noticing, oh, in the fall and the winter, we tend to get more book learning, right? And then in the spring and the summer, it's more like experiential learning. It's just these patterns that were emerging with my family that I was like, it was finally the waters were settled and clear and I could like see we do this every spring. We naturally do this every fall. And I started just learning what I term it a seasonal lifestyle. I started doing this about 10, 12 years ago, and it has been the most loving thing I've ever done for myself, like really tapping into this. It's been the most healing thing I've ever done for myself. And it has been something that I really wanted to share with a lot of my patients and with women in the world in general, because it's so incredibly impactful. And so I finally put it all down into this program that Diana's in. And I opened it up for the first time in September to do autumn with my ladies in the group. And so I'm going to open it up again in December. So we can kind of work on the resting, the areas of your brain that are nailed down with memories. Like we're going to be nourishing those parts of your brain, little activities and exercises that will build up 
the area of your brain that you create memories. And so that goes along with winter because you're sitting there with your most valuable people, your most valued things in your life. And those are the things you want to take with you memory wise, right? So we're using winter to build up that area of the brain. And we're going to be working on various areas of your health and your adrenals and your fight or flight system and all that in simple, bite-sized, actionable things that can help pull you out of fight or flight. So that's what's coming in December. For I'm so excited. So, you know, as I mentioned, I'm a part of this. I pay for it with my own money. I don't have a, I, this is not a paid ad. It's none of that. The reason why I love it so much is well, as practitioners, we're our worst patients. Yes. Yes. And also it's functional medicine is also overwhelming, you know, yes. <laughs> and I just know, um, not that I don't want to take care of myself, but it's, when Andrea, when I saw what Andrea was putting together, it was, okay, I, I think this is, I think I can, I might not be able to handle everything that you're teaching that month, but I can do one thing. And that's the really amazing part of it. It's full on functional medicine, but just made in such a way and explained in such a cool manner that you get it and you understand why you're doing it. So it's not like, you know, you asked Dr. Google and told you, you know, to, to eat like five blueberries and then it'll cure life. And then you're in a group. I think that's what, that's really what I want to say. You know, you're not, it's not like a, you're not necessarily talking with everybody in the group, but you know that you're not alone. And so when you do these, uh, well, Andrea does these Q and A's tea times, I made sure I'm always there for the blessed tea time. I never miss it, no matter what's going on, because it's hearing questions from other people in the group and how Andrea answers it. And sometimes it's a question that I didn't even know I had. And I was like, oh, and it triggers another question. Very bite-sized to do, because with that said, functional medicine, functional nutrition can get very pricey. Yeah. And in this way, it's not. And so it's, it's an invitation to you all to look out for that, because I am a very big fan this I, I did. I joined in September and it's, it's been great. Well, that's kind of, it, it's, it's a fun place. You know, I mean, it's very casual. I just wanted to make it casual, make it bite-sized, make it easy. We don't need more shoulds on our list. Like we just want to make it simple and enjoyable. Like it's healing should be a beautiful journey. It shouldn't be a daunting task. Right. And tapping into the rhythms, your daily rhythms, your, seasonal rhythms is a beautiful beautiful way of healing it's just it's it's like poetry it's just lovely to experience like you said the group the group is amazing such wonderful women and we don't have villages anymore you know we're all kind of on our own little island that's why i really wanted to to make that as an aspect of this healing process is you know the the village the community I'm so glad you're in there with me. I mean, it wouldn't be the same without you. So it's amazing. And, you know, uh, as someone who's very research driven, I am. Um, you know what? Am I a skeptic? Yes, I'm going to put that out there. Um, I ask a ton of questions. I'm very doubtful of things. That's the way that my mind works. But to have things be so it's scientific, but it's not. And and that's the beautiful thing. And I think it's 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 just it's fantastic. So. I'm, I'm really stoked. And so you can, you'll be posting more about that when in December, right? Yes. Yes. We're going to do a little bit of a sleep challenge leading into it. Yes. This was so good. I'm going to, and I'm interrupting you to say that I did the sleep challenge. Was it when you had a private Facebook group? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
I did a sleep challenge and I already have it set in my calendar that when the bakery takes a holiday break in December, I'm doing the sleep challenge again for myself because it's so bomb. Yes, it's one of the most important routines and rhythms you can do is your nighttime routine and rhythm to get you out of fight or flight and into the rest and digest mode so that you can get deep healing restorative sleep because if your sleep is messed up, good luck healing. It's hard. It's really hard. So that is a very common thing for people to struggle with and when they're stuck in fight or flight and so we did the sleep challenge yes in september and we're bringing it back in december simple easy actionable things you can do to make it so you sleep through the night sleep deep restful you know all that good stuff and that will give you a little bit of a taste of what it's like in the membership as far as the things that we set you up with tool wise to improve your quality of life And right after the sleep challenge is when I'm going to be opening the doors to the program that Diane was talking about. It's called Nourished Rhythms. It is my baby and I love it. (laughs) And I love it too. If you're like me, where, I mean, I will, I'll sometimes wear a continuous glucose monitor because I'm constantly stressed and I want to see where my, how my body's doing or I have an aura ring, you know, to see my heart rate variability. How are things doing? Not necessarily a biohacker, but when I did the sleep challenge, it was really bomb. I had my continuous glucose monitor and it was, it was like, Oh snap, look at you. How do you hope you're ready? Cause the next 12 months are going to be rough. So, <laughs> so it was good. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this was so much fun. Thank yeah. you so much for doing the takeover. I know um, we had a lot of people that, that appreciated your point of view on things. I tend to get very nerdy and I leave the less nerdy for my clients. And so for me, it was even as a practitioner on social media, it was like, oh, you know what? I need to take a cue from Andrea on how she talks in social media. So it was it was a great learning for not only followers, for me as well as a practitioner. It was great. Thank you so much. And and we both have a passion for our people. And I know you love the people that are part of your, your group here and listen to you and, and learn from you. And they're my people too. So I appreciate you sharing the stage, I guess, <laughs> with me. And um, I hope people found it useful. And I've loved talking with you. I, I'll take Diane on a Saturday morning every week. I, <laughs> yeah. She's in California, so I had her wake up extra early. (laughs) But this was great. And if there's any questions that if you're rewatching this and you have, feel free and ask. You can also please follow Andrea. Her Instagram is Teach Them Well Courses. All of that is even in the link in my bio. Um, you can find that because it's it's pretty bomb. It's a take on as someone with multiple sclerosis and has dealt with many neurologists. Andrea's take is something very refreshing and very helpful. So awesome, Amiga. Thank you so very much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And thank you, everybody, for watching. Bye. Bye.